Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Hey, John, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. Uh, how are you doing today, Mark? Doing great. So we're going to talk about missions today, but of course, we think about missions, we talk about travel. Where's, like of all the places, you've been a lot of places, how many countries, you know? 60 plus, 60 okay. to 70, somewhere. So like of all the places you've been, what's the most memorable? And it doesn't have to be about <laughs> missions. It can be about anything. Uh, so this is a tough question. Because if I'm in America... All right, so which of your two children do you like the most? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they're watching, no. Um, you know, in America, I love Acadia National Park up mm. in Maine. Um, overseas, and I li- you know, I, we lived in Ireland. Right. And Ireland is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. I mean, just incredible uh, places to see. But I had gone to a missions trip to Argentina, mm. and there's a place called uh, Iguazu Falls. And it sits right on the border between there and Paraguay. It's actually, there's a movie called The Mission, and it was filmed there. Okay. Um, it is amazing. Like, I've been to Niagara Falls and a mm-hmm. few other places like that. This is just natural Amazon jungle, mm. and it is gorgeous. Right. So, yeah, that's probably, how about yourself? Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, it, it is hard to choose, isn't it? Because, you, know, you know, it's like <laughs> if you think mountains or you think beach or, you know. Yeah. Um, we loved Southern Jordan. It's very rugged. It's a desert area. Um, there's an area called Wadi Rum that uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the old movie Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. With Peter O'Toole. That movie was filmed in Wadi Rum. So we did just age ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was made way before I was born. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, so I love that. And I mean, I know this sounds like a commercial for Colorado like every other week, yeah, but. Yeah. I mean, this is a stunning place to live, you know. Uh, so if you can get used to the cold <laughs> in the yeah. wintertime, it, it really is a beautiful place. But, you know, it's one of the great things about, I know you feel this way too, is, you know, God's blessed me with so many opportunities to visit some amazing places. Yeah. And those are beautiful. And I, I, every time I go, I just, you know, I really just kind of just am captivated by the, the beauty that God has created. Yeah. But more than anything, it's about the people. One hundred percent. If you gave me the option to go to Italy, uh, which have been there a few times, and sightsee, or go spend time with Italian people, mm. and especially if you're with pastors and leaders doing mission stuff, sure. I would take the, the the deep cultural and the ministry part over the sightseeing any day. Probably yourself as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, no question about it. Yep. Yeah, when people ask us what do we miss about living in Jordan, it's never the the locale yeah. that we talk about. You know, yep. it's the people. Yeah. And the food. <laughs> you know, every time you, every time he goes on a trip, Facebook is full of all of the meals that you ate. So, well, yeah. you know, people yeah. people appreciate that. So, yeah. All right. So today we want to talk about missions. Last week mm-hmm. we talked about missions from the why perspective. Right. Why do we do missions? And sort of last week you kind of interviewed me, and we talked a little bit about my, about my story and yeah. how we got overseas. Today we want to kind of flip the table a little bit. And we're going to talk about missions from the, not the why necessarily, but the how, especially as it relates to how do we do it from a U.S. perspective? Because most people will not go overseas and become full-time missionaries, but that doesn't mean they don't have a role to play in missions. You pastored, 
and you were a missionary. So today it's my turn to kind of interview you <laughs> to talk about the how of missions. Yeah, and it is, you know, a slight difference between you and I. Like you are the consummate missionary. Went to Bible college, have a call, and you spend most of your life yep. unreached people groups and in amazing ways. Mine is a little bit like the, you know, what what is it like um, in times where you have pre-mid and post. So, <laughs> you know, before I went to be a missionary, you know, I served in the States and did missions and, you know, helped to equip people to go. Sure. And then I spent time as a missionary and then I came back. And then pastor to church. So uh, I do have that, you know, eight years as a missionary. But your missionary experience is far greater than that. I think that a little bit of what I've done is go to the mission field and then equip people and challenge the church to give and to go. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, and of course, you know, in the last 10 years of our missionary career, we were mission leaders. So that involved Mm -hmm. interacting with the U.S. and other national churches. Yeah. around the world and trying to help them build their missions perspective also. So, yeah. all right. So just diving deep into the idea, somebody comes to, let's say you're still pastoring a church. Yeah. Somebody comes to your church. How are they going to know this is a missions church? Yeah. Th- this is the difference between people who do missions and people who are involved in the missions work. Mm. And so some churches, and and this is, I hope this, if there's pastors or leaders that are watching, I think it's really important to think this way, because if you would have come to the church in Jacksonville at the Springs Church, we did missions, but it, but it really went beyond that. We, it, it was in the, the blood veins of everything that we did. It was your DNA. It was the DNA and you've been there. So it was missions work that we did in our community mm. and reaching our city. And then there was always in our mindset, God has ultimately called us to reach the ends of the earth. And I think that, you know, as we would just, as people came in and we had our new newcomers class, we would automatically start hmm. to go, hey, missions is a part of who we are. So as a church, we want to be engaged, not just in reaching our community. Right. Yes, we want to do that. But we, as as New Testament believers, we are called to reach the ends of the earth. That should breathe into the life, in my opinion, of of every church, as as you can do it to the place that you're at. Yeah, that, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I would always say it needs to be reflected in your programs and from your platform. Very good. You know, so, well, that's a great way to put it. Yep. You know, so people on the stage need to be regularly talking about missions, not right. every week. Yep. You know, but that needs to it needs to, if it doesn't have some preeminence from the platform, it's really not that important to you. But then you also have to program it, you know, so that people have a structure to give, to go, all of those things. Yeah. And sometimes it's necessary for churches to, you know, raise money for buildings and projects. Oh, absolutely. We we, we did that from time to time. But most of what I tried to do was to work into the budget paying for the buildings and so forth. And then a lot of the special giving that we did was geared towards missions. So it gave us an opportunity as we're receiving offerings Mm -hmm. like, hey, let's let's not just be about ourselves. We as New Testament believers, we have a call of action that's been given to us by Jesus to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And everybody that's in that church should understand that. I I believe that the call to America is to go, yeah, we do great things in America and we want to reach our, our, we want revival in America. It's part of world challenge. 
but we cannot forget the people that are on the other other side of the world that's never heard the name of Jesus. All right, so I'm going to bring up a, a, a controversial question for you here. Oh, no. <laughs> so how many times have you heard this? Why should we be focusing on those people on the other side of the world when we have needs right here in America? <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll love this. So we, 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 we were raising money for, uh, to reach Muslims in the Middle East. And somebody said to me, everything that I learned about the Muslim faith, I learned at 9-11. And basically, I'm not giving anything to those people. And I'm and I and I do I understand the sentiment. It was a tragic, horrible thing to happen. Of course, happen. it was. But listen, that's exactly why we do need to reach them. Sure. That's exactly why we do have to send missionaries into these unreached people groups because they live in darkness because they don't even have the opportunity to see the light. So that becomes the clarion call. But yeah, I I have heard heard it all as a <laughs> pastor. And and listen, we should never, in my opinion. We should never lose sight of we are called to reach our communities and build a community of faith. Uh, but Jesus said, <laughs> take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Right. We can't lose that. If we're a New Testament believer, you can't lose the emphasis of what that means and the focus of it. Absolutely. And yeah. the and the reality is, you know, statistics show tell us that the average church gives less than 4% of its yep. income to anything outside of its four walls. Yeah. And less than one percent of money that goes to missions actually goes to reaching the the unreached, yeah. and so you know this pops up pretty regularly. But and it's never changed. I mean, since I've been in missions all these years, that the that America spends more money on Halloween costumes for their animals. Oh gosh! Than they do on missions. That's that's crazy stuff. Yep. Yeah, and that has to be taken on, and and not and I and I know you agree with this coming from a missions perspective. It, um, anything that you do to make people feel guilty yeah. or to try to push people like you really should give, and it and it bypasses the heart uh, is only as a short term venture. And so what we tried to do as pastors and leaders is to help people understand the call and the wise and win their hearts. Because if you can win their hearts, then you have somebody that's going to speak and give sure. and pray for missions for a lifetime. Yes, absolutely. And and I think one of the things to do ways to do that is to help them understand the heart of God. Yep. You know, you understand scripture. You understand that, you know, the Bible's about mission from beginning to end. Yeah. It's not a handful of passages. And so when they understand that, then all of a sudden it's like well, of course I want to be involved in this. Yep. You know, this is my heavenly father wants to be in is is this was his initiative. Yep. Why would I not want to be involved in this? Yep. How did you help people in your church grow in a vision for missions? Um, you know, I I'm a discipler. I think first and foremost, we try to in our church, uh not that we didn't do big events and mm -hmm. we do fun things. I'm certainly not against any of those things. But um, discipleship is really, Jesus never said, how many people can you get to pray the sinner's prayer? Mm. It, it's always about making disciples. And it's just a very simple thing. You, you're either a missionary or you're a mission field. And so the, if, if um, you know, when we would start to talk about becoming a New Testament believer mm. and a true follower of Christ, uh, missions isn't optional. That is a part of it until you're taking what has been given to you and you're giving it to and, and giving it to someone else. If if you're not passing it along, 
then you really you you really haven't fulfilled the process of discipleship. Sure. So as you're going through and say, hey, you should love your family and you should love your enemies and you should love Jesus and love the church. If all of that love doesn't include somebody that lives on the other side of the world that's never heard the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. then we've missed what God's love is all about. Sure. All right. So. You can't make a disciple unless you are a disciple. So obviously you walk through this process yourself. For you, it had implications. I mean, you actually, you, you left your home, you left your country, you became a missionary. Tell us your story about how, you, how that happened. You know, we uh, one of the things that God had led us to, um, when, I was in, when I was in Bible college, I would pray. Uh, we had a chapel there. We went yep. to the same Bible college and I would pray in the morning and I would pray in the evening in our little prayer chapel. And I wanted to be a missionary. I, I felt I have always had a real heart. Mm. And God sent me to youth ministry. So I did youth and young adult ministry for about about 13 years. And um, and I went on a trip to Ireland. And uh, at the time, I had about 400 teenagers, young adults in a group. Uh, we had the, the second largest outside of Chuck Colson, second largest prison ministry in the state of Florida. Wow. We were doing outreach all across America. And I was working with a church of 25 people in Ireland, and God specifically spoke to me at the end of that trip. And he said, I am going to make this church a light to the city and to the nation and to Europe. And I was like, there's like 25 people <laughs> on the end of the road in, you know, Cork, Ireland. And so— And uh, Cork was a pretty dark place from what I understand. It, it was, at that time, it was the most unreached part of Europe. Uh, less than half of 1% evangelical believers, mm. uh, you know, because of the Catholic Protestant thing. Right. It was a bastion of Catholicism. So if you were either a Protestant, they hated you. And if you weren't a Protestant or a Catholic, then you're a cult member. So that's the mm. that was the environment. And we literally uh, worked with Nick Cassidy. Shout out there if he's watching. <laughs> uh, one of my best friends. And uh, God did an amazing work across Ireland. Just churches planted, amazing things. Not just because of me. A lot of people working with that. And then uh, started working across Europe. Um, and the, but here's the thing: we had ju- myself and my wife had just built our first house. Mm. We were moving the boxes, and I came back, and I was like. Hey, Krista, uh, just going to let you know God's calling us to the mission field. And she was like, well, I hope you have a great time. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be here when you get back. And I was like, no, I think we're going as a family. And uh, sure enough, the Lord very shortly after that spoke to her. Mm. And then, you know, of course, we spent years as missionaries. So there was definitely uh, some sacrifices. At first, I didn't really fully understand why the timing of it was what mm-hmm. it was. And then when it came to an end, and then we had to return because my my wife's uh, father was in a motorcycle accident. He had a head injury. He still lives with us. You've, you've yeah. met him. And um, and so then we then we started a church. So, it, you know, you it, sometimes things don't make sense in life, and yeah. you wind up going to all these different places. But at the end of it, God is sovereign. And I can look back now and go, all of those were pieces that God was putting together to help, you know, form me into the calling that I have now. That's beautiful. I I think this could be a whole nother podcast at some point, but touch just for a moment, if you would, on that piece of like, how would you, how might have you responded if Krista said, I don't think so. Yeah, that was a tough one. How, how, I I, I know this, I was 100% on the understanding of going, I cannot drag uh, my spouse to the mission field. So either God, and it was my prayer, God, uh, you're the God of heaven. So either you speak to her 
And then when you speak to her and you deal with her heart, but I could not, I, you know, I couldn't pull the, I'm the man of the family. So load up and we're going and, and along with our two children, uh, that would probably have been a pretty miserable <laughs> failure. Uh, and I, I love my wife. She is not a weak uh, woman. Nope, so she's not at I all. love every bit of that strength that she has. But um, but it, it meant that I had to give God the time to deal with That's her. Good. And fortunately, God dealt with her quickly, and she has a soft ears to hear what the mm-hmm. Lord has to say. And so uh, very quickly, you know, we, we started to make plans and to move towards the mission fields. I love that. I had an opportunity through the years to talk to a lot of young people, especially young men, mm. about this. And, you know, constantly reminding them if God's called you to missions, it's and you're married, you have to remember he called you to marriage before he called you to missions. Yep. And you don't break one commitment to keep another. Yeah. You know, and so if God has done this, God will speak to your wife. Or your husband. I've also seen it in the other way, you know. And so I think where we get in trouble is when we try to do it in our own strength. And we try to become the one who manipulates that. And that never works out really well. Mark, that is great advice. And maybe somebody's watching today and that's exactly what they needed to hear. And it doesn't just apply. I know you would agree to this, just the mission field. It can be the pastoring or ministry or if you're not even in ministry, but just living your life and moving or going from job to job. It's so important that the two of you are together as you make those decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you wound up in Ireland. I, I love the fact that you, you know, I've talked to you about this before. I have just huge respect for you and Krista yeah. and how you honored Rob yeah. and coming off the field to take care of him. Um, but you remain engaged with missions today. I mean, you just got back from a trip from Vietnam. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, we don't have but just a moment to talk about. But do you want to give us a couple of highlights about that trip? Man, I tell you, what, we now we were only in country for, I guess, 13 days. We stayed in seven different places, and we were— I was tired watching you on Facebook. (laughs) We're in six different regions, so everything from the mountains to Da Nang to uh, just outside of Ho Chi Minh. We did two pastors' conferences uh, while I was there. Uh, We went to schools, which was incredible. They opened the doors Mm. to go preach the gospel in public schools. Wow. Uh, we met. I met with communist leaders. Uh, we we did outreaches. It was just every day. It was just a new thing, and um, it was a really amazing trip. And it is one of those very difficult places in the world. Yep. Um, but God is doing some really good things, and I was really uh, happy. I was working with Sean Miles. Anybody that's out there that knows him, and uh, you know, and I, I just love that World Challenge is about going to places where there's unreached people. Equipping pastors, taking the gospel where it doesn't exist, yeah. and that's our heart. So I, I'm not really on the missions team. I'm, you know, I'm, well, you, know, you lead us all, so we're yeah. thankful for that. Yeah. So, what you just described would, in many respects, we could refer to as short-term missions. Yes. So, for those who might be watching or listening who aren't really familiar with short-term missions, tell us what it is, and maybe even how they can be involved in something like that. Yeah, and I and I do um, probably have a little bit more of the way that I think of Christians and believers and missions is like, for instance, uh, some, you know, Paul was uh, a, the missionary of missionaries, and at the same time, he spent three years in Ephesus, right. and he spent years in Antioch, 
And so, you know, I think when you have a heart to make yourself available, sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long. But I do think that there's an element that the, the, the many people are called to full-time ministry to live there. That really designates what a missionary is. Missionary is sure. you're learning the language, you're learning the culture and the linguistics. And then, fortunately in America, because we have the resources, we've been able to put you know teams of people to go and assist for short periods of time. And hopefully, when you do short-term missions, it was always, and my thinking as a pastor, is you want to do something significant, just to go and sightsee or you know maybe go to one or two meetings. So we would try to do children's evangelism mm-hmm. or build a building, or uh, there's times that we've done med- medical missions, mm-hmm. uh, but it's for a short time to assist that long-term missionary with projects to kind of be that infusion of man hours and resources to really make a difference in the work that they were doing. And we would always try to tie in what we're doing with short-term missions to somebody who's there long-term. And I think you would agree with this as well. A good missionary is not just going to be there to do the work, but he's equipping nationals to reach their nation. So you see short-term long-term missionaries, and then ultimately the key to reaching any nation is working through the indigenous people that live there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if we're not building a national church, if we're not building an indigenous church, the word indigenous even means like from the soil. Mm. So if we're not building a, a local church of local people where, you know, I love this passage in John chapter one, where it says, talking about Jesus, it says he came and tabernacled amongst us. I think it's the Phillips translation says he pitched his tent amongst (laughs) us. I mean, what we're looking for is people, local people who reflect the kingdom of God. You know, they don't have to cross over linguistic barriers. They don't have to cross over cultural barriers, you know, that they are the local people, and that's what we're all about. You know, that's what Good Missions is all about. It's what we're about here at World Challenge Missions and World Challenge. And so um, going back to this short-term missions idea. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hosted a ton of short-term teams that came. And the truth is they generally required more work from me, uh, me on the receiving end sure. than, than any benefit yeah. we would get. But here's the key. Why did we keep doing it then? Because of the heart trans- transition and the, the heart, mm-hmm. just what could happen in a human heart when they would come, you yep. know, especially it used to be, it's not so much today, but, you know, they, they, their technology wouldn't necessarily follow with them. Mm-hmm. You know, their cell phones didn't work, their whatever. So they found themselves positioned in a place where all of a sudden they were exposed to something they didn't understand. Yep. Their strength was stripped away. And what do we know? God's glorified more in weakness than he is in strength. And all of a sudden in places like that, they would be more vulnerable and more listening to God. And so it's like God would speak to them in ways that he wouldn't speak to them back home. And so, and then of course there was the flip side of that where the churches I saw that were really, that took short-term missions, but leveraged it for the long-term missions development of their church where those people those churches that when people came off of a short-term trip, they processed with them. Yes. Because if you, you know, they, I've had, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people leave on a short-term trip and they'll go, my life will never be the same. Mm-hmm. Three months later, their life's exactly the same. <laughs> but that doesn't have to be the case. Mm-hmm. It's what, how do you process when you get back? Okay, so this is what you experienced. What practical changes 
are you going to put into place as a result of that? And when you when people did that, I saw that it really had a long term impact on the church. Yeah, and this is this is really a good thing that you're you're bringing up to, and and this, on a few different levels. This is for individuals and for pastors and the people that go on trips, because it, it really applies to all of those. And I am yep. a little bit of that pre, mid, and post. You know, <laughs> on the front side, taking teams, being a missionary, and then yep. and then being a pastor. And I think that it's really important that we're intentional with our missions work, and that is an individual. But it also applies to pastors and leaders. And so when when you look at a short-term missions um, trip or program, I would always go like, hey, there's there, first of all, the preparation is really important, the spiritual things that you do to prepare the people for the places that they're going. And then when they're doing their the, – the work that they're doing there, making sure that they understand the cultural things, the relevance of them being there, the work that's happening, and then when they come back, the follow-up. Because there's some churches, and I, and and it's just and it's just this is this is why we do the podcast is to help people. Right. We don't judge people. It's just to help yep. people. But if you're not careful as a pastor, it's like, well, here's our six trips overseas, and everybody's doing short term missions. But the short term missions things that you do in your church should aspire to long term mm-hmm. missions giving. Because truthfully, you know, this is a missionary. If you go, hey, we're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars to spend to send twenty five people to uh, Amman, Jordan, or if you send a hundred thousand dollars, the 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 pastors that you could equip, the evangelism that you could do, the work that you could do, is really is really powerful. So you want to make sure as you're a pastor doing this that you're really intentional. What are you doing with short-term missions? What's the effect of it? Not just having here's the five different places you can go around the world and right. pick a new one next year, but you really want that to have a deep impact. And then you want to make sure that the work mm-hmm. that you're doing there gives a lasting impact to the missionary. And as you can build relationships and help to continue to fund that missionary and work with that missionary so the work can further. If every church in America would think that way, it really could have an incredible positive effect in world missions. I couldn't agree more. And my experience has been from dialoguing with pastors and then having worked stateside with pastors is that when we take care of what's important to God, God takes care of what's important to us. And so, you know, it's, I can't, the stories are just, you know, I can't even tell you how many stories I could, you know, of, and I know you could give them too, of, you know, we decided to put our building project on hold for a year so that we could do this and only to find out that, you know, in the process, God met that other need radically abundantly. It's like they took care of what God, they said yes to God. And and yet they, you know, and sometimes it's easy to think, well, if I give to this, I'm not going to have this. Yep. And and but what we'd find out is that when we say yes to God, God supplies from other you know yep. sources and always meets our needs abundantly. I have an incredible story for that. So, but when I went to the mission field, we had f- I I came out of Florida, so I worked with a lot of churches in mm-hmm. Florida. So five hurricanes. It was back five hurricanes hit Florida that year. I remember that. I had a pastor that, that was that was supposed to be supporting us, and I'm like, I mean, you, you, the fear that you have of going, okay, I'm never going to get to the mission field. I had a pastor that I talked to, and he says, I'm standing right now, and I'm nearly up to my knees in water in my church, but I want to tell you we are going to pledge $200 a month to make sure that you go to the mission field. 
I, and I nearly, to this moment, it nearly puts me in tears to go, there's a pastor with faith that understands mm-hmm. what missions was about. And you know what? God got me onto the mission field really quickly for a Western uh, uh, European missionary. But what he did in that church, that church experienced so mm-hmm. much growth that God put that church back on its feet and did amazing things. But that's exactly what you're saying. When you can put what God cares about most, he will always take care of all the other stuff. Yeah, It really is a spiritual principle. It is, absolutely. All right, so we've talked about missions, and both you and I agree on this. Primarily when we're talking about missions, we're talking about access to the gospel. We're talking about taking the gospel where it's not. Yes. But in a broader sense, and I have no issues with this, in a broader sense, we could talk about missions, and sometimes it would be like cross-cultural, sometimes it would be same-cultural, but most people won't go on a mission trip. True. Certainly, most people will not serve overseas long term. Right. We want people to give, and we think every person should be giving to missions through their local church. Yep. But we also don't think engagement should stop with mission, with giving to missions in your local church. Right. So how can a local person living in America, going to church faithfully, doing those things, how can they be involved in missions here? Yeah. First thing I would say to you is this. Go to your pastor. If there's a missions committee, you go, hey, I want to be on that missions committee. If there's not a missions committee, you go to that pastor and go, pastor, let's start a missions committee. And you start to get people with the same heart, mm. with the same love for the world and the same passion. And and then when, when you begin to develop that, now you're going from yourself. You get a core group of people in the church. Always do it in line with your pastor. It's not like don't do it off the side. If you have a pastor that doesn't care about missions, I'll probably say this politely. Pray about where you should be at church <laughs> because I just don't know how, you, how you're a pastor that doesn't That's really ref- put an emphasis on it. Yes, because it's a reflection of other things. Yes. Now, and sometimes pastors get busy. Yeah, I've been course. in that position where you get busy. I don't think that any pastor sets out and goes, you know, I want to pastor a church. And if we give 3% of, our, of of the resources that come in to foreign missions, and we'll make sure about half of that, half of 1% goes to unreached people groups. I don't think any pastor ever not. said that. Right. But it's just you get caught up in life. And this is where an individual can be a voice to go pastor. I love you. I love missions. How can I help you and our church to really focus in on what's most important to God's heart? Yeah. There's there's where you start. And I love the fact because you were creative in the what you what you said was you identified an issue, but you didn't go pointing a finger going, "We got a problem here and it's you." <laughs> In other you you went and said, yep. "How can I help?" Yes. What can I do? Right. Not what you should do, but what can I do? Yeah. And and if the response to that is like, ah, we don't really care that much about foreign missions, this is going to tell you a lot. I, I believe that most people that have that kind of a heart are going to be attending the church. The, the pastors, maybe he just hasn't researched. Maybe he's caught up on other things. But listen, that should be a real, The I think the response that you will get from most pastors who love Jesus is going to say, thank you for reminding me of that. And listen, we do need some folks in the church that's going to be the conscience of what we do for missions. So let's work on that. I I think that that, it will be a relief to the pastor. Oh, absolutely. I think in most cases you're absolutely right. Um, I would say two things related to this topic. Yep. One is 
most of us live in communities where there are people who are cross-cultural. Yes. And most of them are actually looking for friends. Mm. I remember sitting with a village elder in the country of Oman in the Middle East, talking with him. He was a, you're going to love this because this guy was probably at the time was in his sixties mm-hmm. and I'm talking to him and we're, we're just kind of, you know, we didn't know him well. We're just getting to know him and said, so, you know, tell us about yourself. And he did a little bit and we're like, you know, the topic of America came up because he knew we were Americans mm-hmm. and, you know, said, what do you think about America? He goes, oh, I love America. He goes, I went to the University of Florida. <laughs> this village. He was a gator, he baby. Was a gator, Come on. This <laughs> elder in a, in a village in Oman. Wow. Had gone to the University of Florida. And we were like, that's great. And we're like, what do you think about Americans? He's like, <laughs> and no, he actually was like, I loved America. I loved Americans. He goes, I found Americans to be extremely friendly. Then he paused for a moment and he said, but I never had an American friend. Wow. Here was a person God brought from the other side of the world from a Muslim context where he would never probably have the opportunity to hear the gospel and put him right in the middle of what many would still consider the Bible Belt. And he never had a opportunity. No Christian ever befriended him. Yep. He never became an, had a friend that was American. He never heard the gospel. Yep. And so the point being there, you know, isn't that just Florida Gators have a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I think that uh, guy from Old Man. I don't know if he was telling the truth because every uh, Gator's a Christian. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, the, here's this guy who goes, and so mm. I'm looking at this and thinking, what an opportunity. There are people like that around us all the time. And, you know, look at your community. If if there's a Chinese restaurant, there's probably a Buddhist. You know, if there's a Thai restaurant, probably a Buddhist. If there's an Indian restaurant, probably a Hindu. If there's a Middle Eastern restaurant, probably a Muslim. That's right. You know, if we go into those places and we just show the love of Christ and we are intentional about not just... Talk, you know, not just being kind. Mm-hmm. We certainly we should be that. We should show love, but we should also speak truth, and you know, in a way that just brings people to Jesus. This is this is the most important thing in my life. Have you ever have you ever considered going to a Christian church? <laughs> you know, half the time they would go, no, but nobody's ever invited me. Yep. You know, and just you know, so that, one that spotlights people in our community because a lot of times people go, mm-hmm. I don't think there is anybody in our community that's like that. And then I'm like, I'll, I'll walk through restaurant, restaurant. They go, oh yeah, we got those. I'm like, well, so that we we can become blind to the people yep. that are around us. So that's that. But then the the other piece is, I love this idea of so 86 seconds. 86 yep. seconds is what? It's one thousandth of a day. Yeah. How might the world change if just every single Christ follower said at least for 86 seconds a day, I'm going to pray for the unreached. Amen. One one thousandth of my day. I'm going to give 86 seconds to pray for this people group, this people group, this people group. Go to joshuaproject.org and look for the joshuaproject.net look for unreached people groups go to yeah. world go to operation world 
look for how I'm, how I can pray for the world. Buy these, get a map. Very good. Pray for countries. According to William Carey used to say, pioneer missionary to India said, every Christian ought to pray with an open Bible and an open map. So, you know, if yeah. we, 86 seconds. I, I just think we could change the world yeah. with this, something as minimal as 86 seconds a day, one one thousandth yeah. of our time. We, at our prayer meetings at the church, I would, I would say to people, like right now, let the Lord lead you to a particular nation. And some people would, would have those prayers every day, mm-hmm. but it really can make a, a difference, not just in what God does, but how it affects us absolutely, and the way that we think. I, now, this is going to be turning a little infomercial. So I know you've worked extensively with Chi Alpha, mm-hmm. which I started two different Chi Alpha groups, uh, one in Louisville. For those who might not know, Chi Alpha is a university ministry yeah. on university campuses in America. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is a great place, whether it's a college student or even an adult that can go nearby and help to find a college ministry because – that is one of the places, and you highlighted yeah. that uh, they they yes they reach every student that's there, but they really try to focus in on people that have come from unreached people groups yep. because most of those people will go back, and now you're helping to take an indigenous and I, the, thousands of stories, and I know you would agree with this of of young people that have been changed coming in to do college in America at a university, and then will go back and be leaders in their nation. And so, uh, so everything that you're saying is is so true. And just just go into a group like that and say, "Hey, let me have a student over for dinner once a week, and just pour into their life yeah. and develop a relationship." Can can have such a deep impact in that individual's life and the work uh, of the gospel going overseas. There is a Chi Alpha in the Midwest that the campus director is a former Middle Eastern Muslim. Who came to faith in Christ? Wow! On a university campus here in America, came to the Lord, got discipled. Now in full time ministry, doing the same thing that people were doing that brought him to Christ. Yeah, and that that's exciting stuff. I yeah. you know, and even maybe for pastors that are out there that go, hey, I got a really white congregation. Um, I, you know, I'm a I'm a cracker from Florida. <laughs> I mean, when cracker, the term is like yeah. people were raised in Tampa sure. and, or in Florida, and um and you know you, but you know one of the things my prayer was is like I didn't really know how to develop an inner you know um uh, you know just a a mixed cultural group at our church, but we had such a mix. The first day that we started the church, we had a Hindu man that came and mm. accepted Christ. Wow. And we had Muslims and Hindus and people from all different backgrounds that would come and accept Christ. So it it can really once you start to put the focus and once you start to talk to people about look at the people that are around you and don't be afraid just because somebody comes from a different nation or they have a different re- religion to invite them to church. Untelling mm. how many people will actually say yes and show up and hear the gospel or hear it from you first as you share sure. and then make the invitation to help them grow in a body. That's great, John. I appreciate yep. that. Obviously, you have a connection point with pastors. In closing today, I'm going to ask you to do two things. One, just any final comments that you would offer to those who are in Christian leadership about how to lead their church missionally. And then I'm going to ask you to pray specifically for pastors. They carry a lot of responsibilities. 
you know, and I know, like you said earlier, nobody, no pastor goes into planning a church to say, I want a selfish church. Nobody. Right. The nature of ministry dictates against that. But we just get so busy and there's so many demands, you know, and nothing we say today, do we want it to be in any way a burden to a pastor or any sort of guilt? That's guilt not, or that's, condemnation. Yeah, that's not where either one of us come yep. from. Yep. We do want to reflect the heart of God, though, for the nations. Yep. And I believe most pastors out there do, too. So one, I'm asking you to speak to them. And then two, I'm just asking you to pray for them. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, the, thank you, Mark. The the first thing I w- would say is this: for individuals, uh, maybe a support to your pastor. Mm. This isn't a this isn't a point to go. Hey, the church down the street does more, so I'm leaving our church to go to their no. church. At least start with the place if you're going to support and work with your pastor. I had listen. I had you know um, just single and elderly people that would come and say things about mission that would inspire me mm. so much to make sure that what we're doing in missions. And so this is this is the body of Christ. The pastor just happens to be in a pivotal place. And if you're a pastor or leader and God has put you into a position of leadership, um, yeah, guilt and condemnation, I think, are just useless emotions that yeah. really don't have a, any kind of good effect. But I would I would say pray and ask God, put this mantle on my heart to God. How do I have a church that is really about not just reaching my community, but reaching people that have Mm -hmm. never heard of the love of Jesus? And it moves my heart so much because Jesus has radically changed my life, like most pastors and leaders and yourself. And I go, man, there's so many people that just need to hear how great and wonderful and amazing that Jesus is. Mm. And so it, it will take... Uh, it will take intentionality. It won't just happen. It, it takes somebody that hears the voice of God and then begins to go to the people that you lead and say, this cannot be an afterthought. This has got to be a priority of what we do. And start with small things, uh, start with vision, start with speaking, start with prayer. And I guarantee you, not only will will it help to, to fulfill the, the Great Commission, but it will also call cause the people that you minister to to become disciples that are living outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. That is the greatest effect. So when you say you should be a missions, a pastor who loves missions, uh, yes, for the sake of the unreached people groups, but it also will have a more powerful effect in the people that you Absolutely. have come through your doors every week, and they will be more committed. They will walk with you down the journey when they see your heart. Uh, for for that mission field, both here in the States and across the world. That's so. great. Would you pray for those pastors, yes. John? So, Lord, today we come to you in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And, God, I pray, Lord, that the words that we've spoken, the things that we've said, that, Lord, that you would uh, genuinely go into the hearts of people and speak this in a very vibrant way. And, God, I pray, Lord, that whatever the challenges may be, whatever the, uh, the the distractions may be, that, God, that you would speak to pastors and leaders. And, Lord, let this be a foundational part of the ministries that we lead. And, God, I pray, Lord, for people that have never heard the gospel. And I pray, Lord, for sometimes people in America and Western Europe that have been self-consumed. And, uh, Lord, uh, Lord, it is for their benefit to be a part 
of reaching people in these places. So, God, I pray that your kingdom would grow. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, cause people to rise up and take the mantle of, of, of sharing this gospel message to the ends of the earth. And, God, we know that you can make this happen. I pray it in faith. And, uh, Lord, I pray, God, that it would have a powerful effect in everyone that hears this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Thanks for joining us this week on Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Be sure to join us next week. In the meantime, if you enjoyed the content, if it was beneficial to you, uh, share it, like it, uh, post a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts on missions. If you have a question about missions, write it in in whatever format you get, whether it's on YouTube or in Facebook, whatever they have, where you listen to our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, hope you have a great week. May God be with you, and I look forward to joining with you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable, and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. The Christian life is not one we can live alone. Here at World Challenge, our constituent care team is here to pray for you. Give us a call at 1-833-WC-PRAYS. That's 1-833-927-7297. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.